man. One more time. In a far country. But you never left home. This passage and these verses that I've read into your hearing are interesting because this story is so exhaustive that you can approach it from many angles. This is one of those parables that you can spend weeks teaching and preaching on and seeing the aspects of this story, amen, that come alive when you allow the word of God to become modern in your life. You could see this story as a story about two sons. You could see this as a story about a loving father. You could see this as a story about a prodigal son. But then you could see it as a story of a prodigal son that never left home. I believe, I believe, and I contend today that that is the most sinister of them all. That, that is the most tricky and the most deceptive of them all. Is the one who is riotous in his mind, well. but his body appears to be following God. Because on the outside, it's like a whitewashed sepulcher full of excess and distortion. I I know some of my Bible readers today uh, recognize those terms that I just threw out. It, It was terms that Jesus gave to describe the Pharisees. And isn't it interesting that I read in your hearing the context of the passage, those who would hear this parable and are the reason and the impetus for why this parable is being told in their hearing is because you got the tax collectors and sinners and you got the Pharisees and scribes. It don't say that the tax collectors and sinners were complaining. But it does say those who are supposed to be the religious leaders of the nation of Israel are complaining. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, what do I have to complain about? And so we find these uh, Pharisees and scribes, they're complaining because this man... (laughs) Now, now, they don't call him who he is, see, they, because they, they don't want to have really anything to do with him. Come on, man. Because they, on the outside, amen, they look like they're religious and serving God, but on the inside, they serve the devil. So, instead of him being the son of God, instead of him being the master, instead of him being rabbi, he's this man. All right. See, see, that's what, when folk want to... Uh, marginalize you, they want to deject you, they want to ostracize you, they, they don't even call you by your name. Amen. Th- on, that woman on, over there, that man, this guy right here, huh? When you don't care much about somebody and you really are not looking toward their good, now they're no longer uh, John or, or Mary, they're no longer uh, Denise or, or Daniel, it's now this man. And this woman, that person, because they're trying to ostracize and minimalize you because they really don't want to have anything to do with you. 
But you know what? It's a bad, bad, bad scene. When the ones who have the keys to the kingdom, the one whom God had said to, to, to take care of the stranger and take care of the foreigner, it's a bad situation when they shut the door in their face. And that's what is happening in this text. When we look at the text, we see the tax collectors and sinners who has drawn near to the Jesus, to the master of them all. The Pharisees and scribes want them to be pushed away. Did they not read the law? They said they were interpreters of the law. Even the Pharisees and scribes brags that they have the 613 laws memorized. Memorized. But why did they not memorize the text where the Lord said, I do not desire judgment, but I desire mercy. Why didn't they see the part where down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was coming one who was going to be a blessing to not just the nation of Israel, but to all nations. If they had all of this memorized, how did they miss it? I contend today that they didn't. See, sometimes you know what's right, but you don't want to do right. Am I right about it, y'all? In any one of our lives, we can find that very situation. We know what the right thing is to do, but we want to go left. Amen. So then somehow we get spiritual amnesia, and instead of following the road to righteousness, we take a left turn at Albuquerque. Amen. Then when we look at the text, there's a problem, and Jesus, when he, when he speaks, he always creates a tension yeah, in the text. Yeah, this, this morning, there was tension in the Sunday school lesson, because Jesus was speaking. Right. A- amen. There, there's always tension, because Jesus is going to the root problem. Yeah. There, there was a tension in the text uh, this morning because of the same Pharisees and scribes who were represented by the rich man who did not take care of the poor, did not take care of the widows, did not take care of the orphans, and you know what? Them rascals wouldn't even take care of their own parents. Because you think back on the lesson before that, they come up with this cockamamie type law that said, well, if I give my riches to the temple, then... If I can't, I can use it, but I can't give it to my parents. Because they were so selfish and so arrogant and such lovers of money, they didn't even want to take care of their own parents. It's these that Jesus is talking to. So this story allows us to see that there is a father who has a son. Amen. Matter of fact, he has two sons. Fix it up, fix it up. And we're going to focus more on the second son, but we got to talk a little bit about the first. The the first son is the son that you can recognize. It's the one who is in our family, amen, but they just don't want to do it God's way. They're thinking to themselves, you know, I'm missing out on life fooling around at that church. All they want to do is go in there and sing and, and praise the Lord and they, they stuff in. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't, I, there's life out there. I, I want to go to Vegas and Sin City. I mean, I want to go do some things. I want to experience some stuff. I want to go to Mardi Gras. 
Amen. I, I want to get down there and shake it and move it. And, you know, I want to get in the mix of things. Because this church thing is just too much for me. Every Sunday and every Wednesday. And then sometimes, two times on a Sunday. Man, too much church. I, I got to get free. The younger son, he's the one who, uh, Father, give me what is mine. I, I, I got to get out of here. Man, that's some good stuff I've been wanting to do. I've been reading the magazines. And woo-wee, over there in that faraway country. Boy, there's some good stuff going on over there. So the, so, the, so, the, so the young son, because the father was so gracious, the father knew it wasn't in his best interest, but the father knew in order for him to learn the lessons that he'd have to learn, that he'd have to give him and let him learn for himself. See, sometimes you can tell folks stuff, but they just won't receive it. They got to get their bottom toe up, and they top capped in order to make sure that they understand how hard it is out in this world. How evil and how mean and how perverse this generation really is. So the younger son, he, he says, well, Father, give me what's mine. I got to get out of here. I, you know, I got to go. I got to go. And so the father said, all right, here you go. Gave him his inheritance and he took off running. Amen. He went to a faraway land where he thought he was going to be popping. I mean, everything was going to be snapping. I mean, I'm going to get to Vegas and I'm going to be rolling the dice and this thing going to be working. I'm going to be stacking up paper. All this going to work in my favor because I done got out of that church life. I'm away from daddy and all of that kind of stuff. Amen. I'm going to start living now. And I'm going to get out there in that faraway country and I'm going to get rich. Amen. I'm going to get me a Mercedes Benz. Amen. I'm going to just be on the one. Amen. He's going to have, in, in this context, he's going to have a chariot with gold wheels on it. Oh, he's going to be right, man. His horse is going to be decked out. I mean, his life is going to be grand. But the reality was he wasn't ready to go nowhere but get some more teaching. And that's the problem. Sometimes we think we know it all. And all we're really ready to do is get some more teaching. So he runs on out here and messes up his money. Amen. Gets so bad in his life that now he's tied to one of them foreigners. Amen. And they mistreating him like a mug. Amen. They got him in the hog pen. They got him in the hog pen. He ain't getting fed. Amen. I don't even know if the man is paying him. No. Right? Because it's gotten so bad that while he's, y'all country folks, slopping the hogs. Oh. Huh? Y'all, y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. While he's slopping the hogs, he looks down in there and he sees some husk and stuff. And he's starting to look at that, and boy, that's looking real that good. Boy, that's looking like a meal from Ruth Chris. Amen. And they ready. He ready to get down in there and get him a bite to eat. And then he comes to himself. Amen. Thank God he came to himself. And the one who was outwardly defiant, amen, started on his journey back home. But the deceiving part of this whole matter is while he was away, 
the brother that looked like he was on board with the plan, the one who was going to church and he was showing up, his body was in the church, but his mind was far, far away. He, he, he wasn't really on team father. He, he wasn't. He was, he was on his own trip because he was really mad that he wasn't doing what his brother was doing or at least what he thought his brother is doing. See, that's another thing, y'all. You got to watch what you want. You got to watch what you start desiring. You got to stop looking at other folks and think you understand what they're going through. There's some folk out here that look like they balling and shot calling and they got somebody chasing them with cold steel ready to drop a bullet in their head. Oh, they going out here and they making paper and they doing all this other stuff. But they life is raggedy. It's all whitewashed sepulcher full of excess and distortion. I, I hope somebody hearing me today. Yeah, I see you. I see you. It, it's all just some whitewash on the outside. Look good. But oh, if you could get into their houses, or if you could hear some of the conversations, you'd realize, no, that ain't what I want. I'm doing real good right where I'm at. I'm humble. I got my two bedroom, one bath, and thank God that I ain't got to put up with the kind of stuff they putting up with. Oh, they got a house way out. Amen. Look real good. Five bedrooms and all this is bumping. But boy, they like they ain't sleeping well. So the younger, the older brother, he's he's worried about what's going on with his brother. Not righteously worried about it, but he's worried because he really thinks that's what he ought to be doing. He really mad at himself that he felt like he should have told his daddy, give me what's mine so I can go. But oh, he stays at home. Yeah. But he's at home looking compliant, but inside he's defiant. And I contend with you today, amen, that there are saints of God that are going to church on a regular basis that look compliant on the outside, but inside are defiant. Some of them that the, the everyday congregational member don't know, but they give the pastor Pure the heck. Say it like you mean. Make him gray because they're defiant on the inside. Watch out, but they're compliant on the outside. There, there are folk who are acting as if they're on the straight and narrow. But oh, if you could get inside their head, and I, I, I suggest not doing that. Amen. Don't go there. Don't, don't get inside their head. If I could ever say something today that might make a difference. When folks is being defiant and passive aggressive and all that old stuff, and you start wondering, well, what's wrong? No, let them go. Because they, they, that's a trap. Because they get you off in their head, and then before you know it, you thinking crazy. Amen. So we find ourselves in this text. And the brother is like, Daddy, I, I can't believe that you're going to throw a party for this sinful, debased son of yours. S son of yours. Now that's another thing. When when folk ain't loving on you, they don't want to be related to you either. Now that that's his brother. He act like he's an illegitimate son that that they ain't related in no way. No, that's his brother. 
but he says, son of yours. But see, that shows his heart. See, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out. And see, we now see the heart of the second brother because of what's coming out of his mouth. Am I making sense to anybody this afternoon? So we look at the text, and he says, these many years I, I have been serving you. I, I never transgressed your commandment at, at any time. And, and, and yet, you, you never gave me a young goat that, that, that I might make merry with my friends. Now, now, yeah, you never got that barbecue, did he? Now, I, I'm a little suspect in this text because... This reminds me of the Christian that said, you know, I'm always walking by faith. See, see, I done lived long enough now to know that no, ain't none of us always walking by faith. Sometimes we walking by sight. Sometimes the all have sinned includes the one who's always working and always walking by faith. Because that's what I found. That, it, that it, you know, they clichely we say, it, it all have sinned and not y'all have sinned. Right? There's nobody exempt from the state of sinfulness except the master Jesus Christ. So, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical about this brother that he's done everything. See, uh, he, he's done everything right. Now, he might have even done the things with his hands right, but was his heart in it. See, Jesus, or the master, or God says in the book of Jeremiah, he said, I am the Lord and I test not the hands, not the feet. He said, I test the mind. See, God knows that sometimes y'all can make a front on the outside, but you can't fix that inside. Amen. When that heart is stony, it's just stony. Amen. And he says, he says, the heart for is, is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? So, so this second son talking about he's always done everything right and never transgressed the commandment. Sound like those Pharisees, don't it? Yeah. Oh, them guys. Woo, we got it. We, we keep the law as a frontlet on our foreheads. And we never do anything wrong. Matter of fact, the scribes are the ones who so-called interpret the law. Amen. But we find out that they are those who do some of the worst things of all. Not taking care of their parents. Amen. Having, having sex with prostitutes watch behind out, the temple. Out, See, they were messy on the inside. But on the outside, they showed the people, we're better than you all are. Amen. You got to watch the Christian, amen, that's holier than thou. <laughs> amen. When it's always, I can't believe you did that. Then they pushing everything on you, but are they putting looking at them own selves? Because any of us, no matter how good we're looking, if we could get and look at the tapes of our lives, even as Christians, there would be some stuff that we don't want nobody to see. Amen. So this brother, amen. As we uh try to wrap this up, amen. This 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 brother. How is it that he knows so much 
about what his brother is doing, as the text says, in a faraway country. Now, if he's here with his daddy and concerned about the things and the business that his daddy needs him to, to focus on, how in what way would he have time and connections to know what's going on with his brother? Because in the text, he says, uh, you know, he, he was out there doing everything. I mean, oh, look, look, he said, he, he, this son of yours, he, when he came, he, you know, he's the one who devoured your livelihood with harlots. Now, and, and that's another thing, exaggeration. Do y'all see that? Now, he ain't de devoured his daddy's livelihood. How could he have devoured his daddy's livelihood when he's eating and his daddy is too? The servants are working, but somehow his brother has devoured his livelihood. Exaggeration. That, that's another way you know when folk are envious and, and, and jealous of you, amen, they exaggerate the negativity. Amen. They exaggerate how bad yeah. you have been. Amen. So we look at this text. And how did he know that he's been with harlots? Now, now today we got the internet. And so somebody might face, put something on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or some of this stuff. Periscope or some of it. Somebody might put something out there where you can see the internet kind of makes the world small. But in this day... Amen. It took more than a notion to know what somebody else is doing in a faraway country. But that lets you know how far away his mind was from his daddy. He was dreaming and scheming and he was thinking about all the wrong things by showing and trying to show his father that he's Mr. Right. I, I, I want to stop here a moment and I want to that just might be, probably not, but there might be somebody in here today that's playing this role. There, there might be somebody, I, I doubt it, it's not in here. But, but somebody, somebody, maybe somebody y'all run into, amen, that, that, that's living, uh, trying to look like they're holy, uh, but you know based on what they're saying and what they do away from the crowd, amen, that their minds is far from it. Uh, to say to them, you know what, be authentic. Be, be who you are. Quit, quit trying to front and make yourself look one way when you're really another. Because a big word for that is hypocrite. See, that's why we like the younger son, because he wasn't no hypocrite. He said, I'm tired of being around here. Give me my money and I'm out. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they really want to say, I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of doing religious things like this. I really want to do things my way. But they decided to look holy anyway. Yeah. They decided to say that we love Abraham and God and the 613 laws. But they didn't want none of that. If they wanted that, they wouldn't have been behind the temple with prostitutes. They wouldn't have set up a, 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 a law that they trumped up and made so that they wouldn't take care of their parents. Hypocrites. That's why Jesus said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You don't have to be a hypocrite. That, that's what I'm saying today. I'm saying you don't have to be. And tell somebody that you know, that you love, 
that you are you are saying this, you just tell them, you don't have to be. Be who you are. Gotcha. The Lord says, I would rather you be hot or cold. Because when you're lukewarm, he will spew you out of his mouth. It's better to be on one side or the other. Because if you're cold, amen, now there's a situation that can be set up to try to get you hot. And if you're hot, then there's a situation that don't mess with you because you're already on fire. But it's when you're lukewarm, you can be tricky. Amen. Those who are hot think you're hot. Those who think are cold think you're cold. No, no. Hypocrites. Whitewashed sepulchers. Full of excess and distortion. We got to do better, y'all. That's all I'm trying to say today. Hey, the simple message, we got to do better. We, we got to stop being on both sides of the fence. And stop playing games. Because guess what? When you try to go out into the world and witness, they can see right through it. And they don't want to have nothing to do with it. So if we're going to be the change agents in the society that God has called us to be, we need to be authentic. We need to go all the way on out there or get all the way in. <laughs> Amen. Now, now you can have an effective church. Amen. And matter of fact, you do yourself a service by getting on one side or the other. Whoever you really are, get on there. And then we can work with you. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, now look. Look, y'all. The Father, he's so gracious. And the Father is saying to us today. He said to him, he said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. Saints of God, you have no reason to believe that you lack. When your father in heaven that you say you serve is rich in houses and in land, who also says the silver and the gold is his, Thank you, Master. The cattle on a thousand hills. And guess what? The hills thereof. The one who says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell in it. What is it that you lack if that's your father? And he's a good father. Why would we be looking for anything else except what he wants to give to us? And all knowing God, who's an all-wise God, who can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time, has all power in his hand. He knows the end before the beginning. Why would you want to do anything else but what he has for you? And he's told you time and time again that he will do for you exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask or even think. So he says to the son, stop this. All that I have is yours. You've had complete access to everything. And if you did, if you wanted something, you could have asked. But see, the reality is opened up here. He never asked. Because that's not what he wanted in the first place. He didn't want that. He wanted what his younger brother was into. Or at least what he thought his younger brother was into. I keep qualifying that. He wanted the glitz and the glamour. He wanted to be out there. Amen? 
Amen. But the father had what was good for him. But he gets taught a lesson, but he really doesn't receive it. He gets taught a lesson when his younger brother comes home. His younger brother was proof positive, a living witness, that it ain't good out there. And his brother was so happy to be back home. That's right. It is not all that is cracked up to be. It's better to be on the right side with the Lord than the wrong side with the world. I'm reminded of the psalmist who said, my foot almost slipped. When I saw, there you go, amen, Sister Joan, amen. Saw the prosperity of the wicked. But he saw the end when he got to the house of the Lord. Amen, in the sanctuary, amen, Sister Joan. And he said, no, I, that's all right, I don't want that. Amen, and that's how we need to be. We need to be able to see with godly eyes. And then we'll know, no, the, green, the grass is not greener on the other side. And then the father is really uh, reaching out for the other son's mercy. He said, do you got some compassion in you, son? Think about it, boy. Yeah, he says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. Do you realize that your brother, listen, he was dead. We can stop right there. Do you realize your brother was out there dead? So why wouldn't you be happy that your brother is now alive again? If you loved your brother. But that's what this parable brings out is that they didn't love their brother. This was specifically for those uh, uh, legalistic leaders of the Pharisees and scribes who played like they loved their people, but they really despised them. They didn't care about them. That's why he said he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. They didn't care nothing about their own people. Now, they could have raised their folks up, but no, they kept putting them down. And so we look at the text, and he says, and once was lost, <laughs> but he's now found. Well, what? why not? Why not have a celebration? Where is your compassion and your mercy? He says, y'all do the weightier manners, but you miss things like compassion and mercy. Saints of God, as I close this message, I want to contend with you and want to encourage you to never stop being merciful. To never seek justice in the world. Not looking for fairness and to treat folk right. To do unto others as they would have, as you would have them do unto you. I want you to live equitably with everyone. Amen. Treat them right because you're not responsible about how other folks treat you. But you are responsible about how you treat other folk. Amen. Amen. And so as I, as I close, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the, the equitability of Jesus Christ Come on, preacher. and Jesus Christ alone. Though they lied on him and though they scandalized his name, though they treated him bad, amen, he kept on loving on them. He kept on loving on them for 30 and 3 long years. He loved them through six kangaroo courts. Yeah, boy. He, he loved them down the Via Della Rosa. He, he loved them to outside the walls of Jerusalem. He loved them to a place called Gargoth's Hill. He loved them while they put nails in his hands. He loved them while they put nails in his feet. He loved them when they lifted him up. And he loved 
them when he drawed all men unto me. He loved them that he stayed on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. He loved them when he died in that sixth hour. He loved them. Yes, he did. He loved them when he was allowed to be buried in a bow tomb. All night Friday. Come on. All day Saturday. Yeah. And all night Saturday night. He was in that grave loving on you and me. But it was early Sunday morning that he got up with all power in his hand. Still loving on you and me. Still showing himself to over 500 apostles. Still teaching the uncompromising word of God. He was still loving you and me. And after a 40 day layover, he stepped on a cloud and went back to glory. And I found out long time ago that even though he's in heaven, he's still loving you and me. Because he's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. When we sin, he says, but I died for him. Amen, amen. And one of these days, he's still loving on us. Because he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. And my question to you today is, will you be ready? Will you be authentic? Will you be found faithful when he returns? Amen, amen, and amen.